Hello listeners, this is Matt from Uncanny Treks, and I want to take a moment to tell you about our brand new Patreon at patreon.com slash uncannytreks. On our Patreon, we offer lots of exclusive content in multiple tiers, including access to our brand new Patreon-exclusive podcast, X-Men 92 vs. Young Justice. On this podcast, we follow the same format as B5 vs. DS9, but with an entirely new focus on reliving the nostalgia of 90s X-Men animated series and comparing it to the fast-paced action of Young Justice. Both of these animated series have recently been renewed for new seasons, so we felt it was a great time to return to these two comic book-based properties. If you're interested in subscribing, please visit us at patreon.com slash uncannytreks. You can always reach out to us on Twitter at uncannytreks. Enjoy the show, and as always... Thank you for listening. back to the galaxy's greatest podcast babylon 5 versus ds9 the podcast about the two great 90s space station shows here we are to talk about uh the shadow of zahadoom which is babylon 5 season 2 episode 17 as well as uh, the ds9 two-parter improbable cause and the die is cast which are a part of uh, season 3 of ds9 episodes 20 and 21 zahadoom first aired on the 10th of may 1995 and improbable cause on the 24th of April of the same year and the die is cast on the 1st of May of the same year. We are part of Uncanny Treks. I am Bob from the Cascadia. That is Matt from the Southland. How you doing tonight, Matt? Doing pretty well, Bob. Uh, great episode of Babylon 5 this week. I'm excited. This is uh, getting some really crazy stuff. Things are coming together. Always nice to see a plan come together. Seems like when they stick with the shadow stuff, they, they do pretty well for themselves. You just don't like the, you know, the nebulous servants of the shadows? Is that what I'm hearing? I get, yeah, that and just the the random like uh, one-off plots. They're kind of weird. <laughs> they don't, they don't, they don't have the same charm that the Star Trek ones have. <laughs> so uh, you want to walk us through the A plot? Sure, Bob. So in the A plot, Garibaldi recognizes Morden's face among the crew manifest from Anna Sheridan's lost ship, the Icarus leading Sheridan to an attempt intense interrogation of him. Then in the B-plot, we have representative from the new and sinisterly named government Ministry of Peace arrives on the station to recruit Earth Force personnel for the black shirts, I mean, Night Watch. Yes, yes. And in the C-plot, Franklin is exhausted by the number of non-refugees on the station, so Ivanova forces him to take a break. So you wanted to gloat, Matt? That, that was my understanding? You wanted to gloat a little? Yeah, I want to go ahead and point out that my prediction for a return to the uh, the Anna subplot, you know, Sheridan's wife, it actually came true. Because I said, I bet she comes back. I bet there's some deal and, with that. 
and put on did. your tinfoil hat a little for us. And she did because I think she, I think she's still alive, and I think she's now like oh, an oh. Uh, an agent of the shadows. She's just like Morden. Oh, oh, you think that? Do you? I do. I think she's just gonna be. She's gonna be just like Morden, doing mm, some shadow mm. shit. It's gonna be awesome. Mm. Will that be revealed before or after Ivanova is revealed as the treacherous dog you believe that she is? Oh, it'll it'll be it'll happen in the same episode. That's my guess. Oh man, that'll that'll, <laughs> that'll be called uh, Matt beats Bob the episode. Yes, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> All, right. All your dreams will come true. Donald Trump will be made president again, and a cure for what cancer. What are you? T- no, 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 no! Don't put that. People say no. That is not Bob. That is not true. What Bob is saying, he's making shit up. I'm just, I'm just allegorizing. I mean, cure for cancer is your... fine. The other stuff, no, no, we're not going to that. I'm just allegorizing your conspiracies about the show into, you know, a QAnon comparison. That's all. Oh no, no, I'm not a member of QAnon. That is far, far, far from the truth. I'm not saying you're a member of QAnon. I'm just saying your beliefs in uh, certain things about the show are not unlike the beliefs of a member of QAnon. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, I'm some huge conspiracy. I'm, I'm like. Uh... A bit like Sheridan, I guess, with the conspiracies, Bob. You just you just collect them, Matt. You yeah. just collect them. Collect them and put them in a little drawer. Yep. Did you catch them all yet? Uh, I don't know yet, Bob. We gotta wait to find <laughs> out. So I do have to say that we open up the episode with an exchange between Cotto and Morden, which is awesome, but somehow it's still not enough to make me actually not hate Cotto. Yeah, the exact same thought. I was like, wow, this is like really good Kato Morden going on, like going at each other here. And I was like, Kato's kind of standing his own ground, which you don't usually see, but he, he, still not enough. Yeah, you're right. One episode does not make you a great character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kato never gets redeemed for me, but he uh, he's become a couple of my other friends, uh, one of their favorite characters. So I'm kind of curious to see if he'll get over the hump uh, for you in a way that he never did for me. I mean, this episode was a good start, but I'm still annoyed with him about just about everything. <laughs> did you have any thoughts on uh, Franklin's religious revelations? We find out he's a, quote, foundationist, unquote, which is apparently a religion that kind of grew up on Earth after they made first contact with the Centauri, and it treats God as ineffable and indescribable. The name, although maybe not the concept, seems to be a reference to Isaac Asimov's Foundation Trilogy, which is a really good old sci-fi trilogy, although it was adapted into a not very good streaming show last year. Hmm. No, I I mean, I I caught on to it. It was mainly he was talking about, like, the dead Norn that he's not saving, the refugees are haunting Mm -hmm. his dreams. I mean, I, I, I didn't think too much into it, other than I guess he's his own... He has his own religion, just like all the other people on the station. Let me ask you a more pointed question. Did you you like Dr. Franklin in this episode? I mean, not not really. He was just all hopped up on stems to keep him awake. Seemed like he was kind of, you know, got to save everybody. Haven't slept in 48 hours. Yeah, yeah. Not Not to spoil too much of it, but a couple of the things you sort of see about Franklin in this episode are what's going to kind of characterize him going forward. So they, they've finally kind of settled on a character and a plot for Franklin in a way. He's just like never ending fight for saving people. Something like that. Something Something like like that. that. But he's also a foundationist. So I probably need to remember that. Maybe, maybe let me add that to the wall. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, yes, your your vaunted uh, tack and a string uh, wall. We uh, we should offer that as a uh, as a bonus for our Patreon sponsors. <laughs> yeah, don't put that out there because it's not real. <laughs> no, but we, we we don't we we never tell them it's real. We talk about it in such a way that they're unsure if it's oh, real. Or oh, fake. also yeah. So we could but yeah, we'll have to offer like a ton of money for me to put something like that together. So we'll be like yeah, if you're a thousand dollar a month Patreon, I will gladly give you a copy of my wall. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll, I'll cut out the wall and send it to you in the mail. <laughs> like, I'll cut out the section of the wall. <laughs> you can you can come to Matt's basement and tour yeah. the wall. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, did you have any guesses? Speaking of your conspiracy theory wall, did you have any guesses uh, before they revealed it about why Dylan and Kosh wanted Sheridan to release Morden? I mean, I knew he was like with a shadow, so I kind of just assumed it was something to do with that. I mean, I didn't know anymore. Uh, I was impressed by the callback to the scene before Delenn enters the chrysalis, where we find out, like when they do explain it, we find out that uh, she sent Kosh a message asking if the shadows had returned to Zahadoom, and then Kosh answers, of course, yes. And then we discover the crew of the Icarus uncovered the shadows, uh, that whole scene though gave me like reader repulsive vibes. You remember at the beginning of Power Rangers oh, where, yes. she's, where yes. they're like unveiling the thing and they all, oh, I'm free now. It's time to rule the world. Like, <laughs> isn't she basically in a giant sewer grate? Yes, I, I got the impression that's kind of what the shadows did when uh, <laughs> when the Icarus, you know, found found them. Uh, now the name Icarus, you know, that's potent. Fl- potent. Yeah, potent. Yeah, flying too close to the sun. Is that is that what they're going for there? Like they flew too close to Zahadum and now uh, they're. Uh, it could be, although I don't know if JMS is intending to go that far with it. I mean, because he certainly does give most of the Earth Force uh, Greek mythology names. So, like, we have seen or will see, you know, Earth Force battleships with names like Hyperion and Agamemnon. So it's it maybe, but I, I think also that's just he tends to favor like Greek mythology as a reference point for ship names. That makes sense. Yeah, I was just trying to connect it. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe that's what he's going for. Maybe it was just a cool name. But yeah, I didn't. I mean, I didn't really have an idea of why they were wanting to release Morden. They, the shadows moved too quickly last time, and that's why they lost. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So this time they're wanting to make sure they don't give away any information that could let the shadows move quickly. So having the shadows yeah. on board would re- reveal more information. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I get that. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of inter- inter- interesting, like tactical move. Um, and then I know you know this now because you've watched a little ahead. But at the time when you first saw the episode, did you have any thoughts on what Kosh meant when he said that everyone would recognize him without his encounter suit? Yeah, I thought he might be some kind of like historical figure or like a mythical hmm. legend or something. Like I didn't know like what they were going for. Uh, the story I mean, argu- thing- arguably not wholly wrong. Okay. Arguably. Yeah. And at one point, I was trying to see if like any of the other characters were always like missing from the Kosh scenes. Let's oh, see. Interesting. Like, interesting. Like, maybe Kato was Kosh. We just didn't, didn't know. Um, that that that's the hint when he stands up to Morden. You're like, oh, I didn't I didn't know I didn't know he had it in him. But I'll be honest with you. This episode though is what led me to like, okay, Bob, I can't wait weeks. I gotta watch. I gotta watch this. <laughs> this, this is a good episode, JMS. I mean, this is like the one that like you know sold me on the show. I was like, whoa, I gotta figure out what happens next. And I'm like, okay, 
well, that's cool. I can kind of what happens next. I ended up watching like five episodes in a row. But I also want to point out to you, though, it's extremely hard to avoid spoilers for this show since it's so old. Mm, like, mm. you can't Google Kosh without his true form being revealed. Oh, so you man, know I didn't know that. That's oh, unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, so you go to Google Image and type in, like, I, you know how I do, like, the cover art? I'll go out yeah, and put Kosh, yeah. and, like, I'm like, the hell is that? That looks like... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, well you're going to you're gonna have to cut out that looks like for uh, any of our Oh, yeah, oh, yeah anybody follow along. I'll, I'll put a beep. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. they... Uh, beep. <laughs> but, but, like, I don't know all the details, though, at this point. All I just know is up to the end of this season, but I'm just kind of like... But I do know what he looks like, and I kind of know what he's supposed to be. Have you had that experience before where you got into an old show and you inadvertently spoiled yourself on the internet? On oh, it? yeah, all the time. Or I've actually watched, I don't remember what I watched one time. I watched like the final episode of a show. It was like, damn, that was really good. I'm going to go back and watch the whole thing now. And I was like, I already spoiled the entire you know, first couple of seasons. I don't know. Some people do read the last sentence or the last page of a novel before they start no. the novel. See, I can't do that. No, I've never done that before. Um, one thing I will say, though, that, you know, I know you're kind of down on this, but the new Dexter is... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very down on that. Yeah. People are, like, legit not understanding spoilers at all with that show. So I've had to, like, unsubscribe to so many Reddit threads because of that. Like, they don't get, <laughs> like, when you put, can't believe that guy's back in, in the title. <laughs> like, like, jackass. Just, no. Just put, you know, Dexter, episode, whatever, spoilers, and then we'll click it to see what's in the thread. Not, you know... Or were you surprised when blank shot blank? I mean, give me a damn, like, are you an idiot? I don't know. I, I will say a little defense of people posting spoilers online that, like, I mean, granted, if you're just doing your normal thing and you come across spoilers, that that's unfortunate and I feel for you. But, like, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're perusing Dexter Reddits and you haven't seen the, nec- the next episode, uh, you kind of no, have no, no, coming. No, no, Bob. People are legit, like, going out of their way to watch the episode before it streams. Oh, really? Yeah, so, okay, like, it drops... So is it leaking? Yeah, it drops tonight at midnight, okay? There's already people that have figured out how to watch it, and they're the ones doing this shit. They're trolling, is what they're doing. Mm, mm. Some are trolling, and some are just really stupid. It just depends. But they can get the episode before I can, so maybe they're not that stupid, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> can i can i tell you the 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 funniest uh experience i ever had with spoilers sure um you never watched mad men right no uh. um so there's an episode i believe it's in season four where don draper has a fever and if i'm remembering the details right he has um a fever dream of him like strangling this woman he'd been sleeping with and like i guess if you were an idiot you could think that that really happened in the show even though like you know the show had been on for three and a half seasons at that point it was not really a show about crime or violence like don draper was not going to become a you know a serial killer in a season four of that show that just wasn't going to happen if you were watching the show and thought that you were stupid but uh, a friend of a friend literally um literally saw that thought that 
and then posted it as a reply on a friend of mine's Facebook post. Something to the effect of, OMG, can't believe that Don Draper did that. And then I watched, I was just like, what? And so like my body was ready. I was really confused and like, what's going to happen? And I like, because I watched Mad Men with a group of friends up here, and I kind of warned them, it's like, something strange may happen this episode, guys. I kind of saw a spoiler. And then it happened, and it was just like, oh my God, this person is the stupidest person to ever live. And so I, uh, I, I made a mean comment in a reply to them and told them that. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> But I will say, though, with Babylon 5 spoilers, of course I understand. Please continue oh, yeah, talking yeah. about it if you're on our Twitter and stuff. I don't have it. It's not going to affect me that much because I've already, like, I mean, there's been a little, I just usually ignore them. If I see something, I'm like, I don't know when that happens, so I'm just going to, you know, forget about it. But, uh, yeah. 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 It's, I'm just saying that, though, it, it blows my mind, though, like, with people spoil stuff, like, the day of just to do it. Yeah. I, I Streaming has made it even more kind of intense, I guess, because of the way that stuff drops, you know, like you say, at midnight, depending on your time zone. Right. And so people people are watching it way, way earlier than other people. I sort of had that with Young Justice season four this year because I'm in a few fan groups of that on Facebook. And it was it would literally be like the night before uh, the episode aired from my perspective. And I would be just scrolling uh, my Facebook feed and then just be like, Oh God, well that was young justice spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's annoying. So, but what can we do? That's just how the the world we live in. Uh, Did you have any thoughts, I guess, to get back on track about um, how the kind of all three plots in this Babylon five episode are sort of signs of the kind of growing fascism of the universe? I mean, yeah, that they, they they have a definitely an interwoven thing going there. You know, there's that's the theme of the show, at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just I just thought it was kind of commendable that like they're not like the three plots aren't really connected in any sort of like literal or simple way, but they just kind of together create this kind of interesting portrait of like okay, you know, war is heating up, authoritarianism and you know fascism are heating up, and you know you just kind of get three different aspects of it. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was pretty interesting just the way they've done that. But I mean, it, it, that's that's the direction they're going. So, I the, the whole plot with uh, the arm man thing, I don't know where that's going. I didn't really see much. I don't know. What uh, it's was. both going to be more and less serious than you imagine. Okay, does it move on into season four? I I'm sorry, season three. Excuse me, think, season three. I think it does, but it's hard to remember. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, it, this is, it seems like a, a one-off type of thing to me at this point, but I mean, I guess it could be more. Uh, since we're forecasting stuff, do you want me to tell you uh, how long you should roughly expect the the shadow plot to go to go along? No, because no, I, I think you might find it interesting, but you might not. Okay, okay, I can hold off. I'll, I'll, let me just just answer this question: Does it go into season four? Yes. Okay, because season five, right, is like his. He didn't think there was going to be a season five, so he ramped yeah, everything so up. Yeah, so season, season four. four is his original vision for season four and five, and then season five is something totally new that had to be strung together after the show got unexpectedly renewed. Yeah, I, I we kind of talked about that even in our like our initial like introdu- in our introduction podcast about this because I knew that that was I guess they got signed on for one more season and then. 
I, I, I don't know what they would do with season five. Like, <laughs> like if the shadow thing's gone, because that's so much buildup from beginning from at this point. I, that's going to be interesting to me to see, because I want to know like what they end up doing. Should I have my, should my expectations be high or low, Bob? Um, I would say keep them low because okay. I'm like, there's great things about it, but I could, I could also foresee it really disappointing you. So oh, I would it. say keep it sort of low and then let's see what you think when you get there. All right. And then I did just want to make a little preachy side note is that one of the things I really do hate about the show is how it celebrates Winston Churchill. Uh, he's not that great. He was not that essential in defeating the Nazis, especially if you compare him to what the Soviet Union and the Russians actually did in World War II. And we always overlook the fact that he was a very brutal imperialist. He encouraged reprisals against civilians in South Africa and Ireland and Iraq and Kenya. He engineered a famine in Bengal in the 40s. And uh, when he was prime minister after World War II, he ordered coups of democratic governments in Greece, Guyana, and Iran. Churchill was a brutal imperialist. He was a racist. He was a monster. He doesn't deserve to be romanticized. There you have it, folks. Just so you know. <laughs> and our, and our, fri our, our friends over the pond are going to be like, well, you didn't say shit about Abe Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Abe, Abe Lincoln, to my knowledge, never overthrew a democratically elected government. And although he was involved in the massacre of some uh, North American Indians, uh, far, far fewer numbers than Churchill. Makes sense. Lincoln good, Churchill bad. Bob tweets. <laughs> We know you tweet, Bob. We know it's you. <laughs> I'd be like, cat picture. <laughs> Look at this I, cat. I have, I have cat pictures, too. Look at this cat dressed like Odo. <laughs> Look at this cat dressed like Garrick. I don't, yeah. These are promising. These Bob's are promising. Are, Bob's our, our, our tweet artist because I can't. I, I, I'm just not into the tweets. I forget, I forget it exists after a while, then I'll go back like a week you don't, or two. You don't later. have the hunger I, I have for memes. Yeah, yeah. Bob has a hunger. So some might say an addiction, a habit, <laughs> a problem. <laughs> these these are words that might also be used. Yeah. All right. So let's shift off to DS Nine. We're going to talk about the shadows a little later, a little more uh, in our Shadow Watch. But uh, Shadow so, Watch. So in DS Nine, we have a two-part episode: Improbable Cause and The Die Is Cast. All right. So in the A plot. Odo and Garrick's investigation into the bombing of Garrick's tailor shop leads them to uncover a joint Tau Shiar Obsidian Order offensive against the Dominion led by Garrick's old mentor, Inabran Tain. I said his name correctly the first time. I'm excited. I think it's Inabran, but okay. Damn it! <laughs> you were, you, you, it was very persuasive. I believed you. La last, epi last episode he appeared in, I like could not get the name out, period. So I guess that's a, that's a move in the right You, you did a growth, right Matt. Way. We're all proud of you. All right. B-plot, Bob. Hit us with that. All right. So Cisco and his staff defy a direct order from the Malibu police chief from the Big Lebowski, who's playing an admiral in this episode, to stay out of the Gamma Quadrant deadbeat. And instead, they take the Defiant in to rescue Odo. However, Eddington's loyalty to nice beachfront communities and the Malibu police chief is too strong, so he sabotages the Defiant's cloak, creating new complications. This episode starts off with Bashir and Garrick you know, talking to each other in the, in the promenade, which we've seen a million times before. 
What was your take on it this time around? Oh man, it was it was so fun. Uh, it, it starts off with Garrett kind of berating Bashir uh, for recommending Julius Caesar to him, and him complaining about how blind Julius Caesar in that play is to Brutus's treachery, which is a very nice uh, foreshadowing of the Garrick and an Abrintain, um thing. And then we get a kind of amusing play on that in the second episode, um, the die is cast, where. Bashir is having lunch with O'Brien because Garrick is off with the Romulan Cardassian fleet. And uh, Bashir is going on this kind of great and I thought really fascinating rant about how boring uh, human drama has gotten, like human stage plays have gotten in the last 50 years because all of the human playwrights are just slavishly imitating alien works of art. And uh, even though I was riveted by it, O'Brien was uh, intensely bored. <laughs> Yeah, that's how I felt during that O'Brien Garrick scene in the second episode. But uh, yeah, the first episode though with with Bashir and Garrick, he he made a really good comment about uh, the boy who cried wolf should have varied his lies. Like that's what he learned from the story. <laughs> yeah, that's a great great moral to take from that fable. And then he, he before that he also is I believe he's talking to Odo and Cisco, and his cover story is that, that he's exiled on DS9 to dodge Cardassian taxes, which I also <laughs> thought, thought was pretty funny. <laughs> and it's it's just a really good episode for everybody's interactions with Garrick. Like his interactions with Nabrintain are great, his interactions with Bashir are great, his interactions with Odo are great. I really did, apparently Odo is pretty perceptive and notes that Garrick really is only silent when he's confused, when he knows what's going on. He's like lying endlessly and seamlessly. I thought that was a really good observation too. Speaking of Odo's perceptions, Bob, he apparently lacks a sense of smell. This is something I didn't know either. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a kind of funny fact, right? Uh, you know, it makes him, makes him a, a bad cop. He can't metaphorically talk about how he smells a crook or something. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's because he struggles to, like, create the human nose. Maybe that has part of it. I don't know. I mean, he's yeah, got all the he, other he senses. He always does struggle with the noses. He can do hear, you, he can see. I mean, I don't know why the smell... Do you think the sound. other founders can smell, or is it just Odo? I don't know. They need to, like, use that to their advantage. Yeah. <laughs> what What if that's the problem? Spoilers, when Odo ultimately does remerge with the Great Link, and they're just like, man, this guy smells awful. How does he never <laughs> notice? <laughs> Yeah, or imagine being Kira, and he, like, stinks. <laughs> he probably doesn't sweat, though. I doubt he has sweat pores. Like, yeah. Or if he if he does sweat, he immediately reabsorbs it. Yeah. I imagine he smells like Play-Doh, but that's just me. Speak, speaking of sweat, <laughs> uh, are you familiar with Prince Andrew saying that he doesn't sweat? Yeah, Bob, Prince Andrew doesn't sweat. That's, All right. the, that's yeah. his defense. Yeah, it's from, a, it's from a wound he got in the Falklands War, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in Virginia, Jeffrey's new uh, civil suit against Andrew, um, her lawyers have challenged uh, Prince Andrew's lawyers to actually prove that Prince Andrew is incapable of sweating. I'm, uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing if they try to do that. Yeah, it seems like it'd be very easy to do, you know, like uh, just take the man, <laughs> put him in a hot room for 10 minutes <laughs> and see if he sweats. <laughs> yeah, just like, put him on a like, treadmill in front of the court. Like, why is this so damn hard? Like, this seems like something. There's got to be pictures of him out there sweating somewhere. Like, I don't know. So, I will say this though. Uh, later on in the episode, Tane comments on Garrick's outfit in this episode, and I'm not like a fashionista or anything, but I actually liked his outfit. What'd you think about it? 
Uh, yeah, I thought it was a good outfit. I, I, I noted last time that there was something very odd about Garrick in a mirror universe Cardassian uniform. But uh, all, all, of, uh, all of Garrick's clothes in this episode worked for me pretty well. But the whole exchange between Tane and Garrick to me had this like, uh, there was like a queer subtext of like a guy like coming back home <laughs> after, after doing like some like <laughs> some really gay stuff and then being like <laughs> and his like unapproving dad like trying to make friends with him. Did you get that impression? Oh, uh, I, I wasn't really thinking about it in the in those terms, but I, I could definitely see it. Yeah. 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 yeah I could totally I was like, well, Oh, yeah, I was just saying, generally, they really do play up the father-son stuff between Tane and Garrett quite a bit. Did you have any thoughts on this being, I think, the first two-part Star Trek episode to not identify itself as that in the episode titles? Yeah, why is that? Is there a reason? I mean... Um, I was looking on Memory Alpha, and they said they'd initially planned it to only be one episode. And then when they wrote it, they realized they couldn't... I think the... I think the first episode and probable cause was largely the same, but they were just going to have a really quick wrap up in the fourth act. And they realized they couldn't do the quick wrap up. So they stretched it out to a second one. And I think the production schedule was like already running. So that's, that might be why they just gave it a new title. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. I was, I was curious about that. I was like, okay, this should be a part two part episode. Like all the other ones we've watched. I don't know. I kind of like it. It's, it kind of makes a nice surprise because if you're watching when something's entitled part one, it, it sort of sets up a certain set of expectations, right? Yeah, I did read, though, that some like asshole that makes the VHS has decided to put the first episode of this two-parter and then the episode we reviewed last week on the same VHS. <laughs> in, in fairness to him, I think because they had to do a second one, this and the Mirror Universe episode are like next to each other in production order. Right. Well, that's so that he is... might have just been going by raw production order. Yeah. So you know, so now you had to buy two VHSs. If you just wanted this. Man, one. do you remember when you paid what was it like fifteen dollars for a VHS of one Star Trek episode? Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, My God, we we lived in dark ages, Matt. Dark yeah. ages. <laughs> and it was hard to catch any Star Trek period. Like if you're trying to like trying to watch DS Nine was insane. Like you had to watch. I think it was Sunday mornings at one point. <laughs> I think I I get a lot of uh, a lot of crap from my friends, probably deservedly so, for being uh, OCD about wanting to watch things in order. Um, so you know, I like I. I don't like watching, unless I have no investment at all, I don't like watching, you know, a second or a third movie after not having seen the original. And I even am so OCD about it. Like, I don't always do this, but when I watch a director, I kind of like to go chronologically through a director's career. <laughs> and so I get, a, I get a lot of crap for this. And I really think it is down to my childhood trauma of trying to watch Star Trek and read comics, but not being able to afford that many episodes or that many issues and never being even when you were able to afford it never being able to get them you know yeah. so it's like yes no now story order is the most important thing <laughs> sounds like torture bob and in this episode Odo oh gets man what a transition Matt. what a transition <laughs> and way to minimize my childhood trauma thanks buddy <laughs> so Odo gets tortured by garrick in this episode and uh it's pretty bad um, 
Yeah, yeah. He looks really uh, messed up in this, and you know, he's stuck in the humanoid form, and he starts decaying and breaking apart. It's, it's. I, I was actually, I'd forgotten how gnarly he looks. It was a really pleasant surprise to see. Yeah, of course. Then he like CGI's himself back into that little dog bowl thing. Probably yeah, once like, Garrick <sighs> turns off the interrogation device, which was yeah. also, you know, by the standards of the time, pretty cool CGI. It was, it was good CGI. It probably cost him a ton of money. They probably saved up the whole season for that. <laughs> so, given that we see, like, Garrick, you know, pretty brutally torture, um, you know, a main cast member of the show, in some cases that might be a kind of hard thing for a character to come back from. But, I don't know, what, it, what, what were your thoughts on that? Well, they make up by the end, Bob. They, they make up. They save each other. Did you find that making up convincing, Matt? Not really, no. But <laughs> Once again, I think they were in a time crunch here with the episode itself, so they yeah. had to put something. They're like, okay, we got to make this episode a little longer. Um, let's have Garrick torture Odo, and then they make friends again, and then by the end of the episode, they're wanting to eat lunch together. Okay, we're good. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I will say, like, I think when I was a kid, I didn't think anything of this because I was dumb. And then I think the second time I watched this um, a few years ago, I was really kind of bothered by the fact that Garrick tortures Odo. And then it's just kind of like not a thing at all. But I, I guess here I'm just sort of like, it. I, I think I buy it. I mean, clearly Garrick and Odo both have a very similar motivation and their desire to return home and they can kind of respect that in each other. And I think, you know, Odo also recognizes that Garrick wasn't willingly doing the torture on a certain level. He was being coerced to it by Tane. And then there's also the fact that like, there is a kind of strange, uncomfortable intimacy that, you know, people have often observed between torturer and the torture victim. And so maybe that's kind of in play as well. So when they do get rescued, though, like that scene where the Defiant flies over the runabout, it's like awesome. That was good. Uh, now, were they, they shifted to CGI at this point, do you think? Uh, I would tend to think so. But I honestly didn't watch the battle scenes closely enough to say, but I would tend to think think they were. What 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 did you think when you saw it? I thought it was CGI, but I mean I then again I didn't I mean Yeah, I I, can, was, I think kind of at this point, and maybe maybe this is the first point, you're just dealing with too many ships to easily do it with models, right? Yeah. But you can totally see how like Defiance like this supposed to be this really badass ship in this. Like it just the fire in the uh what what are what is it firing over those like photon torpedoes just like in repeat like you know what I'm they saying they might are they are do they have quantum torpedoes yet or is it still photon I'm not sure I don't know I, I'm just they just they're just firing them like crazy boom 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 like you're like okay <laughs> now I understand why the defiance awesome like why this is supposed to be like the uh, the warship <laughs> very nice very nice you like look at the enterprise and it can fire like one at a time you know two at a time maybe this thing's just like yeah boom, i mean boom, it's boom. a the enterprise is a pleasure yacht not yeah <laughs> <laughs> so at the at the end of the episode the uh what, what did you call him earlier the the admiral or whatever the uh, uh the uh, cop for the chief of police from malibu not from a nice yeah. beachfront community yeah all, Remember the guy who throws the coffee mug and hits Jeff Bridges in the head in the yeah, Big Lebowski? Yeah, yeah. He uh, he he seemed he just one he just one of those things where he was like, you know, I'm really mad you didn't listen to me. 
but it all worked out, so it's okay. Yeah, I believe I believe the line is like, "You ever do that again, I'll court martial you or promote you." Yeah, you ever wish real life was more like Star Trek, like where if you don't follow the rules, but everything turns out okay, you know, like you get commended on it. That never happens in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I think bureaucratic rationality gets a bad rap. Um, I actually think it's kind of good to have standardized rules and procedures. And so even though they're often annoying, stupid, have unjust outcomes, it's still probably better than uh, letting uh, letting cowboy types uh, just do whatever the hell they want. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm for bureaucratic rationality. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of am too. I'm just like... Eh. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, like, thinking outside the box, but, like, within the parameters of, like, the set of rules that these guys want you to follow. So when they go as far as having, you know, your chief of security dismantle your cloaking device so you can't go into battle, let's just not go into battle. I mean, I guess he did, they, I mean, in the grand scheme of these, they did save Odo and all the other shit, but come on, like. Yeah, I mean, I. I feel like, you know, on the one hand, like, you know, as a teacher, when I get a lot of oversight from my admin, I'm very resentful and annoyed by it. But on the other hand, like, you know, I don't think, uh, I think if I was like flagrantly violating rules or, you know, doing reckless things, then yeah, the admin actually should come down on me pretty hard. Well, the admin definitely come down pretty hard on Cork, Bob. Cork. <laughs> he had a dream, Matt. He had a very, very simple dream. Yeah, end of the episode, we found out that Quark wanted to rent the space where Garrick's tailor shop used to be and turn it into an Argillian massage parlor. Do you remember the Argillians, Bob? I don't, Matt. Who are the Argillians? Oh. You, you actually have a, a Star Trek trivia poll on me for this one. Yeah, they were uh, the pacifists from the original series episode, Wolf in the Fold. Oh, yes, yes. The one we find out where uh, Star Trek is in canon with, depending on how you count it, Twin Peaks and Dexter. Yeah. The women, actually, the women look like belly dancers, so that's what they were going for there. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah no, that's a, I, in some ways it's not a good episode of the original series, but man, it sure is a fascinating one. Yeah. And then, uh, don't, do not confuse Argillian with Aurelian, because Aurelians are actually- Those like, are the bird people from the animated series. Yeah, you know the bird people, don't you, Bob? <laughs> I do know the bird people, Matt. The bird people yeah, are cool as hell. Argillian, Aurelian. There's a lower deck. Right, so you, you, know, you know the belly dancer species, Matt. I know the bird species. We just both have our different strengths. There we go. All right. So we'll shift off into Shadow Watch for a moment, Bob. There is a big ass shadow in the center of Zahadun. Like, big ass shadow thing that you see. The Vorlons apparently are the last of the first ones, and they have been waiting for the shadows to return. All the other ancient ones or first ones or whatever they pass beyond the veil sounds I, like a good time yeah i don't know what that is uh you've never passed beyond a veil matt i mean that sounds that's some twin peaks level shit right there like that sounds like going across around the curtain or something like i don't know <laughs> they're all just chilling in the red room sheridan shows up and they're speaking backwards to him honest to god that's exactly what i was thinking like when they when they said beyond the veil i'm thinking of the red room and all these like ancient ones or whatever sitting around waiting yeah the only, the only thing that could have made this episode better was if literally like dylan and kosh were speaking to sheridan in the red room that would have been great <laughs> So I also know that the crew of the Icarus, they were either killed or they joined the ranks of the Shadows. We don't know that yet. 
And that this is the interesting thing about the shadows that was revealed in this episode that the shadows were always with Morden and have yet to reveal themselves. There's always like, I'm guessing it's two shadows. Yeah. Yeah. They're just always kind of visibly like walking around. around. It's like creepy as him. hell too. Like, yeah, they, like, it's a great scene. I mean, it's like he's hanging out in like the, the Zocalo or whatever. And there's like two giant ass shadows just like hanging around him. Another thing we learn is that telepaths can sense the shadows, which I'm guessing is going to play up later on. Uh, in the season for someone who can detect shadows because Italia winners gets really pissed when Sheridan sets that whole thing up. Yeah. I, I actually forgot that, but you're right. That's actually going to be a really key thing. Uh, eventually I kind of forgot that they'd seen it at this early. Yeah. Sheridan, like she, she's like slapped Sheridan because of it. She, <laughs> I mean, Sheridan needed to get slapped. Oh yeah, he was he was in the wrong here, honestly. Like detaining somebody like that, but still, I you can understand though, you know that yeah. he wants to. Well, know that was kind of that was kind of what I was gesturing at with the fascism comment was that it was kind of interesting that like on the one hand we see like the Earth government sliding that way, yeah. but we also see Sheridan like you know even though from a lot more pure motives like really kind of overreacting and breaking the law to pursue his vendetta. But by the end of the episode, Bob, he's redeemed. Yeah, I mean, at least Sheridan shows himself capable of reining himself in. Uh, the black shirts, I mean, the Night Watch, uh, not not similarly capable. I had two quick questions I wanted to pose for you. Um, the first was, how do you th- uh, think about the different ways the shows are building up the shadow and and the Dominion at this point, since it's a kind of interesting comparison and in that both are advancing the, uh, the kind of two big bads. I mean, I feel like we were introduced to the Jim Hadar rather quickly after determining, after discovering the wormhole and we know how powerful they are, uh, based on, I was the finale of season two. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. the, the episode called the Jim Hadar. Right. So I think that's, that set the stage for DS9 pretty early on on where the shadows are and what they're, I mean, well, shadows, where the Gemini are capable of and what they were fighting. Whereas with the, the big difference here with Babylon 5 is I don't feel like they really know what they're fighting. Like, the, at least the Earth Force doesn't. I was just saying, it's kind of fascinating how, like, the Dominion are just another kind of, like, galactic empire playing the great game, right? Like, right. they play it really ruthlessly and really well. And, like, you know, they're even more sneaky and underhanded than the Romulan and Cardassian secret services, which is no mean feat. But they're still just ultimately just a very powerful fellow opponent. Whereas, like you're saying, with the Shadows, and also to an extent with the Vorlons, they're just this kind of other thing that we don't fully understand yet. There's a lot of like supernatural rhetoric attached to them. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're mysterious and any encounter they've already had with them has been, you know, awful. Like the, the way the shadow ships destroy, uh, the Norn vessels, things like that. You know what I mean? Like, you, yeah, you know, yeah. they're super powerful and you have no clue really how Babylon five is going to defend itself or any really, yeah. any earth force yeah. is going to defend itself, but you're just slowly dripped pieces from, Kosh and Delin and and you make it you make a good point there too that it's like in some sense the the shadows and the Vorlons have like already been in the galaxy and this is a replay of what's already been done to a certain extent whereas the Dominion are presented you know as wholly new they're from a different region of space so that's a kind of interesting contrast as well you almost feel like it should be swapped in a, in a way <laughs> like because you know the shadow the, the the Delta Quadrant hasn't 
No, it was delta. No, gamma. Gamma yeah. quadrant has not been explored like as at all. So there's no telling what kind of beings are out there. But then when they do show up, of course they're humanoid and you know <laughs> there's they're not like these shadows that are just really abstract in my in my opinion like so far yeah yeah abstract is a very good word for it and well the second question was um it was also kind of interesting that both both episodes rely pretty heavily on like interrogation set pieces you have uh, sheridan given morden the business in babylon 5 and then you have uh garrick interrogating and ultimately torturing odo in ds9 I was curious, uh, do you have like a favorite show for interrogations or a favorite movie for interrogations? I think mine's the 90s cop show, Homicide. No, Bob, but I will say that I have a video game for interrogations and torture. Dun, dun, dun. Grand Theft Auto V, Bob. There's a scene in that thing that'll scar you for life, and it'll make you feel filthy. <laughs> you, you, you torture some poor MFR? Yeah, you, you torture this dude, and like they got many, many options, and it's, it's awful. I've... I've uh... It, it, it's not something you want to go back to. Nice, nice, yeah, that, but that not was, nice. Yeah, that's my experience. So, that's my experience with that, Bob. So, Matt, knowing you've tortured a man, who's your character of the week? <laughs> the character of the week is Odo, Bob. Odo. It's kind of interesting that the torturer identifies with the torture victim. Uh, kind of, kind of ironic. <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then to add to the irony, I, the person who has not tortured anybody, identify with Garrick. The torturer. Oh, the ironies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my episode of the week is in the uh, Shadow of Zahadoom. Uh, just this episode got me, like, pumped for this season. I was like, dag, I got to know what's going to happen next. It's crazy. Yeah, it's... I really I really enjoyed all three, but I, I would go with the dice cast. I, I, I think the kind of combination of um, Eddington and Cisco sparring and then Odo and Garrick sparring is really great. So, looking at the next week, we've got Babylon 5 episode Confessions and Lamentations up against the DS9 episode Explorers. Yeah, I, re- I remember Explorers as not that great. I don't remember what Confessions and Lamentations is about. I think it's some kind of, like, virus or something. That doesn't sound promising. No. All right, so this has been Babylon 5 versus DS9, the galaxy's great podcast about the two great 90s space station shows. I am Bob from Cascadia. That is Matt from the Southland, and I have to let you all go before I cough into the mic. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening.